Okay, let's see if this is going to work. Welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. My name is Jennifer Vaughn. I am your host of this podcast, and I've been a little bit MIA lately. I know. I'm sorry. I was, um, well, I've been busy. It was the end of the school year for 2020, so I was finishing up with my sixth graders that I've been teaching from my kitchen. I will be lucky enough to join them again after Christmas break. Um, The teacher that I'm subbing for is continuing her leave. So it's good for me. It's work. I need the work. And uh, subbing right now is not the norm because typically I have jobs every day and I just go to a school. Really, I can pick and choose where I want to go because there's so many jobs available. But because of COVID, kids are home and teachers are home and who needs a sub? Really, it's kind of rare unless they have training somewhere. So to get a long-term position is key because that's the way to be able to be working when you're, that's what you need to do if you're subbing right now. Otherwise, you're sort of SOL. Uh, There is some work, but just not like the typical that I normally have that I've had for the last 12 years where they're literally banging on your door wanting you to come and help they really do need your help on a regular basis when um, we are in the buildings. But I'm teaching from my kitchen, which is a really weird dynamic. Um, We're all kind of used to it. And it was just something I had to get used to. You have to become really technically savvy kind of on your toes because the kids, the sixth graders are, they're smart. They've actually helped me and I can look real stupid real quick if I don't know what I'm doing. Um, for example, I shared a screen the other day and I was trying to find it's, I shared via Chrome tab. So for those of you that use Google meets, you'll know what I'm talking about. We don't use zoom cause there's too many. Um, I guess there was too many things that this school wasn't prepared for. And Google meets was easier to handle with regards to kids and them doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Zoom offered way too many options for them. And the IT department wasn't um, prepared for all that was going to come with Zoom. So we use we use Google Meets and um, we use, uh, you can share your screen, you can present you know your entire screen, you can present a Chrome tab, you can present one more way, I can't remember. But anyways, I usually just present my screen to show them what I'm talking about. You know, like here's where you go for this assignment, you go here, click on this or whatever. And I clicked on, um, Oh, I wanted to do a Chrome tab. That was it. I wanted to do the Chrome tab because I wanted to play something with audio. And if you share your screen, you can't. You have to do a Chrome tab. So when you find the list on Chrome tab of what it is you want to select for them to look at, it's it shows you all of your tabs that are open. But it'll just say like, I don't know, it's not very specific. It'll just say like YouTube or whatever. And I have my classes organized in one entire, um, I don't know, how do you say it? Like I've got my Google, all my stuff for school in one entire area. And then I have a whole opposite area for my private stuff. Does that make sense? I don't know what they call that where it's like split. I've opened up to Google, um, Google accounts. I don't know. I don't even know what you call it. I'm so like, I don't even know what you call this stuff. But anyways, I have all my tabs set up in one area for personal stuff and one area for all my school stuff, right? So I don't get all my tabs confused. But when you are searching for a Chrome tab, it shows you all of them. And I clicked on YouTube and I clicked on my channel. I was like, (gasps) 
get off this. And I'm like trying to like push buttons quickly to get, cause I don't want anyone to really know. It's different, like elementary school, I don't have to worry cause they don't really have phones. They're not searching for me. High school, they're old enough to know about me. And it's like, whatever. But junior high is sort of a gray area. And I really don't want them to, there's videos that are really kind of explicit about my sex life and so is this podcast, right? So um, they're at an age where it would be like kind of shocking. I don't want their parents to hear it. It's just not appropriate. So thankfully nobody caught the um, quick blink of my channel because I mean the second they see that they're going to be like, oh my god, although there is one girl in the class who did um, find all of my Instagram accounts. So the cat might be out of the bag. I don't know. But you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. It's more just a topic that I really just want to not discuss with them, really. You know, they're 11, 12, around there. So, and you know, I'm not in person, so there's no concern. There really never has been for any parent to complain. No one's ever said anything to me, but, and they can't legally. I'm protected, but you just never know if there's going to be something awkward that might come up if somebody doesn't really understand. And so I do kind of stress about that a little bit, but right now we're at home. So what can anybody complain about other than the fact that they don't like the content that I have up, but you know, it's, uh, it's just something that hasn't happened yet. And I'm, Oh my gosh, my cats are like, <laughs> I'm sitting on my bathroom floor and Benny's my baby boy. He's so cute. He's constantly humped by my older cat, Sky. Sky was used to being completely taken over by Sawyer, who's, yes, still missing. Sawyer has not come home. I, I We don't know. We just assume that Coyote's got him. But Sawyer used to just, anytime he walked past Sky, he would attack him and Sky would cry. And he's got the most high-pitched little cry. But now he's found his inner manliness and he tries to hump Benny like all the time. And Benny kind of loves it. Benny's always laying on his back, but they're, they're sort of 69ing right now. Well, Sky just mounted him again. And, um, Sky tries to, you know, bite his neck and they're both fixed, but Sky will get on the back of him and do this, like, uh, you know, step on. Oh, do you hear that? Listen, somebody didn't like that. That was Benny. He said he'd had enough. Um, yeah, Sky will step on his back feet, you know, alternating, left, right, left, right. And it's in the air. Like he's not touching Benny at all, but he thinks he's doing something. I know it's all just the way they're playing, but that's really funny. They're so cute. So anyways, um, back to why I haven't done a podcast in a while. So school was coming and wrapping up to an end. Christmas obviously keeps me really busy. My husband is back in town and we've been spending time together. So that has taken up most of my time. And I just, um, you know, I put in a lot of time and energy for the last, uh, well, all of them, really all of my podcasts, but the one with Judd from the real world and Carrie Luther, um, whose son passed away from a fentanyl overdose. Those were like kind of a very big deal for me. And I wanted to make sure that those sounded okay. I had a lot of sound issues with Judd's. It was his volume for some reason on my end came across really, really high and I wasn't loud enough. So I had to adjust literally everything he said and everything I said and alternate back and forth. It took me so long to edit that interview. And then, um, 
carries was easier, but they still take a while to edit, you know, so I just was kind of ready to take a little bit of a break. And um, so for this is kind of a light podcast, I just wanted to, um, I thought it would be fun to share a couple stories that have happened in my personal life. And then I will share an HIV anxiety story that um, I found quite interesting and kind of gave me a run for my money. And I'll explain why. So um, story number one, this was yesterday. This was just kind of an a-hole encounter that I just, it was fresh in my mind. So I thought I would tell people that were listening about this. And, um, you know, people that are rude drivers are just, I don't know what their problem is. Like, why do you have to be a rude driver? I'm not an angry driver. I'm not a road rager by any means. But I was coming into Capitola yesterday. Eric was surfing, so I was going up to meet him. um, And Capitola is a very, it's a little beach town and a lot of one-way roads through there. Not a lot. There's really not many roads going through there. It's just shopping. It's beachfront and it's little, you know, beach stores. And I was, I took a right into the downtown, which is really just one block in and made a, I wanted to get toward the beach. So I just, it's a one block in towards the beach, right? So I go to make a left into this one-way road and there's a big like monster truck in front of me. I don't know. It's big gray American truck, big giant tires. You know what I'm talking about. And on the right hand side was slanted parking. So there was parking slots and it was packed yesterday. It was the day after Christmas. Everybody wants to go to the beach and to the left was parallel parking. And he pulls in and I go right behind him. And my, honestly, my tail end was still almost into the perpendicular traffic behind me because there's a road behind me. I hope this is making sense. So I'm squeezed up behind him because I really don't have anywhere else to go. So he decides to wait for two different spots and he's sitting there like, I'm honestly, we're going on three minutes, which feels like an eternity. I'm like, really, really? Like I have nowhere to go. I, I can't, I couldn't back up because the traffic behind me was there's just too many cars and I just couldn't back up into it. And so I'm wondering what he's doing. And I know in the past, if you do this in Capitola, if you sit and wait for a spot, you could get ticketed. Like they usually have this guy that goes around, he's in a wheelchair and he he will go up to your car and actually give you a ticket. If you sit and hold up traffic waiting for a spot. And there was honestly, there was nowhere for me to go, but just to sit behind him. So my well, I turned into a little bit of a Karen. I got mad. And so I got out of my car and I went up to his open window, you know, not close. And I just said, oh, I forgot to mention to the left of him was a loading zone. So there was a yellow loading zone that his truck could have just pulled right over into. There was room for him just to turn that steering wheel and just scoot in um, so I could get by. And so I'm like, why is he not getting this? Like he can just move over and then wait for the parking spot that he's waiting for. Cause people are coming in from surfing. And when you're coming in from surfing, you're not more than likely going to be ready very quickly. I mean, people are taking off wetsuits. It's a long process to get um, out of your wetsuit and get organized and get your car out of its space. So I I probably did come across a little irritated. So I say, excuse me, would you mind moving into the loading zone so I could get around you? And this guy, he's probably a little older than me, uh, white male, gray, heavy set. Maybe there was a little mustache. Can't quite remember, but he gives me a little side eye and he just goes, maybe. 
Maybe. That's what he tells me. Maybe. Okay. I said, thanks. Just like that. It was pretty sarcastic. And um, I went back to my car fully thinking that he would pull over and give me some room so I could get by and go on my way to try to find a parking space that I probably wasn't going to find because the place was packed. And um, he didn't move. He just sat there. So that was it. Maybe. What an asshole. So I eventually was able to back up into the road behind me and uh, (laughs) called Eric and said, I want to go home. I hate mean people. And so he laughed and said that we should um, find the guy and ask him if he has a window scraper. Hopefully he has one because there seems to be some surf wax all over his windshield because we were thinking that'd be funny to leave a nice little note of surf wax on his windshield and call him a kook or something, which of course we would never do, but it was fun to think about it. So I did finally eventually uh, make it in and um, (laughs) got to park next to Eric and go look at the beautiful waves and Sky, be nice. He's just lunging at Benny. That's enough. Be nice. Okay. So that was yesterday's story. Um, About 10 days ago, I'd say, actually, I'll go back even further, about two weeks ago, about 11 o'clock at night, I hear this boom, 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 boom on my front door. And I live in a neighborhood with a lot of homes. They're all close together. I've lived here for, I don't know, 15 years. And I know, you know, everybody's really nice around here. I've never had any issues with anything. Well, we've had our car broken into once in the driveway. That was a long, long time ago when I was married to my kid's dad. So a long time it's been. Um, and anyways, we have this boom, boom, boom on the, on the uh, front door and my daughters were up. Uh, I think Owen might've been up also, but Eric and I were asleep and it was like, what was that? And then it happened again. And it was like, and I had, we'd gone to bed really early. I don't know, probably like, I remember we were really tired and I knew we'd been to bed at least two hours already. And so I go to the girls. I'm like, what is going on? And they're freaking out. Oh my God, mom, somebody's banging on our door. And like, they've got, they each have a knife from the kitchen and they're like freaking out. Cause they're thinking who would come and bang on a door. I'm like, okay, you guys need to relax. No one's going to like kill us. Like nobody's going to bang on our door and then try to kill us. Like, that's just not how people do it. They're, you know, they're much more cunning than that. They don't just like make a bunch of noise. And so, but they were looking through the, the, um, you know, the eye peep or what do you call that? The, um, I don't know, the eye hole. I don't, why am I forgetting what that's called? Anyways, the eye peep, the eye peep. Um, I'm making that up. I'm not sure that's what it's called. But anyways, they're looking through that and they can't see anything. I don't even know that they turned the porch light on. All I know is that they were freaking out and they said I should call the police. I'm like, I'm not calling the police. Oh my God, boys, relax. Stop this. Sky, this is enough. I'm breaking this up. Your ears are back. This isn't friendly anymore. Benny doesn't like it. Okay, so, um, again, like I said, it happened twice, the banging. It was very upsetting because, like, late at night, banging on our front door, like, that just doesn't happen. And we couldn't see anybody outside. And we live on a corner house, and we just didn't see anybody out there. So, um, all of a sudden, my daughter, Ryan, opens the front door, and she's, like, starts yelling at these teenagers that are running down the street. There's, I think we saw one girl and two boys and they clearly were you know knocking on doors and running and so um my daughters decided to you know use some foul language and tell them they better not come back and they'll you know do something to them or whatever i don't know so we weren't totally sure who they were um 
they didn't look familiar. I had an idea. There's a house down the street with some teenagers. Uh, why they'd be picking a bone with us, I don't know. Maybe they like my daughters and this was their way of flirting. I don't know. But they, I do know all the kids there. I've subbed every single one of them. There's five kids. Um, single mom that, you know, in the neighborhood that uh, nobody seems to like, apparently. She drives really fast and she's always reported on next door for her loud music and the police have been to her house a bunch of times for parties. These poor kids. Anyways, they're getting older and they're having friends over. So we think it was probably them. And then about... Uh, I don't know, a few days later, maybe five days later, it's around eight o'clock. I'm on my, um, my couch with a computer on my lap and the girls, the kids are all upstairs. I don't remember where Eric was. Anyways, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden it's just dead silent in my house. Boom, boom, boom on my front door. I jumped. I was so mad. I don't know what got in me. I opened up my front door and, oh, before I, and I got to remember where I was about this because I'll forget where I was in my, in my story. But I need to mention this first. The night before, the morning before, literally within 24 hours, um, a truck on the side of our house, that's not, um, it's like on the street right there, a tool truck, a, a construction truck had been broken into. Somebody had taken a crowbar and opened up somebody's, um, what do you call it? They're toolboxes. Like just, it looked like, like Eric said, it looked like a tuna can the way they'd opened it up. They couldn't get the lock open, obviously. So they stuck a crowbar underneath it and curled up each side and took all the tools out. They broke our neighbor's window and took apparently $2,500 worth of tools, which was really upsetting. And I, you know, I put it on next door. The police were here. Another car got broken into. So, you know, I was already on edge knowing that somebody had bro broken into a car right there on the side of my house. And, you know, Eric's van was right next to it, like parked two cars in front of it. They didn't break into his van. So it was upsetting, you know, like these, and they, people found the car on um, their cameras. So a neighbor of mine down the street, we figured out which car it was. It doesn't help. It didn't, no one got caught, I don't think. But anyways, we basically saw the car. It came by about 3.54 in the morning. And so everyone kind of had an idea of what, when it happened and, and all of that. So that was, you know, on everyone's mind as this, burglary that had happened, you know, right underneath our noses. And my kids' windows are right there. I don't know how they didn't hear it, but they didn't. Uh, or they think they might have, but they kind of fell back asleep. So anyways, I, this banging happens on the door. I go, I'm like, I did not care. I don't know what came over me, but I opened up my front door and I came around the corner and my neighbor who had had his truck broken into was coming in to his house and he sees me. And at first I think, well, of course it's not him, but I said, did you see, did you just see anybody? He goes, oh, a bunch of teenage boys just ran around the corner that way. So I said, okay, thanks. So I run as fast as I can. And they're about maybe 10 houses ahead of me. They got a good head start. And I start screaming, hey, stop. I swear to God, if you bang on my effing door again, I'm gonna effing call the police. I have an effing gun, I think I might've said. And if you come back, I might use it. Like, I don't even know. I was so mad. And because it's so jarring and disturbing, and I'm a single mom, like, how dare these group of boys? And as they're running down the street, again, it's 8 o'clock at night, it's dark, they're putting their hoods on, and I kind of know who they are at this point. I can tell. They're, it's I know the families, and I'm pretty certain I know who they are. But of course, I don't see any faces. I'm basing this on kind of like um, body frame, tall, thin kids. I did see they had the uh, they have that haircut. 
that haircut that I don't know why it's so popular, but it's shaved around the bottom. It looks like a mushroom, you know, curly on top. Some of them even get perms to have this haircut. I don't think it's a good look, but whatever. So I come around, I go all the way around my block and I have to come through a park to get back to my street. And I'm st I'm just fuming. I don't even know what I was going to do if I caught them. Like I have no idea, but I was so mad. I was just ready to just go off on them. I didn't even care. And I know for sure that I've subbed several of them. That's just how it is around here. I've subbed like every freaking kid in Watsonville, I swear. So I was ready to let them have it if I caught them. I don't even know. Like I didn't, I'm like, oh, they're going to hear me say the F word because I am certainly going to say it. And I also realized that as I was running down the street screaming profanities at them and how I'm going to use my gun if they come back to my house, like I don't even have a gun, but um, I'm realizing that I'm probably being picked up on people's ring cameras. So great. There's a crazy lady running down the street screaming. Lovely. Glad I didn't show up on next door. <laughs> Thankfully, nobody did put me on next door. So I come around the front of my uh to my street again and there's a couple and one other kid in front of this house where all the teenagers live right and uh or what not live uh yes yes sorry live the five teenagers the brothers and sisters and so i say to them are those your friends like i am mad and they said the one kid gives me this laugh and he goes oh we just got here you know like real smart ass right and so I said, well, you better tell your freaking friends that they better knock it the F off. Like I have had it. And so my daughter was walking up the street. She was going to her friend's Emma's house. So her friend Emma happens to live directly across the street from these five teenagers. Her mother happens to have several cameras on their house and they caught all of it on film. So they got all of the teenager boys. There was probably eight of them leaving that house where those teenagers live. Strangely enough, I don't believe any of them in the group were one of those five that lived there. I think they are just friends of them because I'm pretty sure these eight are cousins. I'm pretty sure they're all related brothers, cousins, but I don't believe they're related to those five kids that live there. I think they're just friends with them. So anyways, she gets, she has the video of them leaving the house and she has the video of them because Ryan and I drove around the neighborhood after trying to find them. We couldn't find them. We went up and down every single street. They must've been hiding in bushes and just laughing Again, didn't know what I would do if I found them, but I was so mad. I didn't, I just was ready to, you know, ream them. I don't know, you know. So anyways, Jamie, our friend, gets the video of them coming in. And so it's very clear they all went into this house, this whole group of boys, and they're laughing, they're making noise. You can hear it all on the cameras. It's amazing. And so I call the police. I do. I call the police. I do that sometimes. I call the police. They probably know me well now. They know my number. I've called a lot of times while living in Watsonville for things here and there, but you know, they're there for a reason. And so I had to wait. I had to wait like over an hour before I heard back from the police. At this point, it's like 1030, but Jamie says they have not left. Like I've got my camera on and they definitely have not left. So we knew they were still there. So the police officer calls and says, Hey, just want to let you know, I've been busy with other calls. Didn't want to like let you think that I didn't get your call, but so here's the deal with that. Um, it's not illegal for anyone to come up and knock on your door. I said, okay, well, it wasn't knocking. It's banging. Like it's a, it's a closed fist, like a side fist. He goes, I'm not saying it's not. He goes, I really, I understand. I understand it would be upsetting to have that happen like late at night and you know, all this. And so I said, look, if you could just please go there and just 
scare them a little. I, I know that you can't arrest anybody. I'm not looking for anyone to be arrested. I just want this to stop because I've had it. And so anyways, finally the police showed up and um, had a little talk with the boys. Of course, that was all on um, my neighbor's ring camera. And uh, I think it was the next day I went to Best Buy and purchased my own ring camera with a light. And so we have that on our front porch now. And we have had no problems since um, I told Eric that I was, if it happened one more time, I was going to get up and set my alarm for four in the morning, three in the morning, maybe, I don't know, hadn't decided, and um, go and knock on their door real loud in the middle of the night and see how they liked it. Even though I know it really wasn't them, but it, they're associated with them. They knew what had happened and they were kind of, like I said, smart ASSs when I said something about it when I, when I came around the block and said something about it. Um, so thankfully it hasn't happened again and I really love my ring camera. It's the best and I actually got some motion detector solar lights that I put on the side of my fence that face out to that side of the street so those cars will be protected. And um, I just feel better about the lighting around here. I put some lights on my driveway and um, yeah, I just was a little unnerving to have stuff like that happening when there had been a break in. And you know, it happens here. It does. It seems to be a Christmas thing, sadly, and people are desperate and they break into cars. They really do scout the area out. This neighbor said that he had no tools in his car except for that night. Like he typically takes them out. So he said he knew that they, they had watched him, which is just creepy, right? Super creepy. Okay. So um, on to my HIV, I would, I highly recommend ring cameras. Everyone should have one, right? Every, I feel like I should get some more actually, but it's a little addicting. I'm like always looking at my ring app on my phone. Cause it notifies me every time there's movement that, you know, and that includes, I'm right in front of a stop sign. So it includes any car that stops in front of my house, anyone that walks by and, um, but it's good for packages, obviously, cause we do have packages left on the front porch. And um, that way we can see if anybody takes them. But of course, with the crooks being, you know, one step ahead of us, they end up going up to these front porches, stealing stuff with hoodies on and you can't see who it was. But, you know, hopefully body frame and all that. Um, some Hopefully some of these people get caught. It's really, it's disturbing. But yeah, people are desperate. Okay, so I had somebody reach out to me. Um, I think it was in October. Um, with HIV anxiety. And so here was his situation. I believe um, he was or is a paramedic, definitely working EMT paramedic type job. He said that he had a needle stick. It was very unfortunate. And he said there was a girl that he was trying to insert an IV into and he got poked after apparently he'd already inserted the needle into her. And so he was freaking out because he was having symptoms. And so I said, you know, let me look into this. I, from what I know, like this occupational sticks and the transmission of HIV is pretty much unheard of. Like this isn't something that happens. And so what the protocol is, is that if you're in a medical situation and something like that were to happen, you would go on PEP, which is Truvada, which is, um, you know, within 72 hours and, you know, basically you're not going to get HIV. So, and it's the same medication that, um, people that are conducting, I hate saying high risk, um, people who conduct or have experiences that make them more vulnerable for HIV, 
um, would take Truvada. It's the same medication and it keeps them from um, contracting HIV. So it's amazing stuff, right? If you're somebody who who um, might be more prone to contracting HIV, then you should definitely talk to your doctor about being on Truvada or PrEP, and which means pre-exposure prophylaxis. PEP means post-exposure prophylaxis. Same drug, same idea, just keeping you from getting HIV. So this person um, apparently did not take PEP after. I didn't get that in the beginning of our conversation. Um, I just know that he was worried that he had HIV because he'd had all these symptoms and his symptoms were severe, like he was having vertigo to the point where he'd get out of bed and he had vertigo so bad he'd run to the bathroom and would vomit. And I'm like, okay, but I still like the odds of this happening to him are like literally almost impossible because it just, this just isn't a thing. Oh, by the way, she tested negative. So of course, they didn't recommend going on PEP because she tested negative, but she was a heroin addict. So I thought, well, yeah, she's negative. Uh, Well, you wouldn't have HIV. How are you going to get HIV? She doesn't have it. So then he starts thinking, and he'd done some heavy research. I mean, really heavy research. And he's sending me all this information and he says, you know, but what if she was seroconverting during that time and it just didn't show up in the tests? And it was on the needle and then it got into me. And by the way, I looked up statistics for this type of exposure and it actually translating into a into an actual transmission. And it was something like it's happened like maybe, I know this is, I don't know. I mean, this is what I found online. It might have happened 52 times within 25 years. Like this is astronomically low. And these were like back in the day. And because now it's like they just do PEP. It's like that's the protocol when you're in the medical environment. So anyways, this young lady tested negative. He's in an area that's uh, I think it was Atlanta. It was in the south. Definitely an area that's um, uh what's the word, disproportionately affected by HIV. So of course he's aware of that. He's concerned about that. By the way, he's young. He's 26. Um, He's a hetero male. Um, He understands the statistics with HIV and the stigma and that as a hetero male, he would be very rare to be going around having to tell, you know, potential wives or girlfriends that he has HIV. It really isn't something that's very common uh, amongst the hetero male community even hetero community in general. And so anyways, this is all running through his mind that his life is ending and that he will um, not be able to ever find a spouse. And he had this plan to like have his own ranch someday. I'm sort of going off a memory here. I'm not reading his actual messages, but I think there was something to that extent. And he just felt like if he's positive, his life's over. Like he wanted to become a nurse and he thought this was not going to be possible, all these things. So, um, again, he didn't take the PEP and he's the, basically the, um, they're telling him he needs to wait, you know, a certain amount of time to be tested for it. His initial tests come out negative, but they say that's not long enough. He needs to wait longer from what I know. Six weeks is sufficient. That's what I find through advocacy is that six weeks is for an antibody test is sufficient enough. Um, I can't remember if we were at that point yet, but he, you know, he was trying to wait for the three month and I just kept saying, you should just test again, but it didn't matter because in his mind he was positive. And so he does finally break down and test before the actual, um, testing, uh, window where they told him to wait. He actually ends up doing it a little bit sooner. 
and something is, there's something off on his test. And he said it came back positive. And I'm like, what? Because this whole time I've been telling him, look, this has got to be in your head. There's just no way that you're positive because she's negative. But then when he tells me she, maybe she was seroconverting, I'm like, maybe this is a thing. Maybe she could have been. Maybe maybe it didn't show up on her test, but maybe she was seroconverting. And I mean, what are the odds? Like, And I know the odds are astronomically low for this. Even when you're a needle user and you're sharing needles, it's not a for sure that you're going to transmit it to somebody. Same with anal sex being super high risk. Even if you engage in anal sex with somebody who's HIV positive, who is not um, maybe unaware of their status or isn't on medication, it doesn't mean the first time you have anal sex, it's for sure going to happen. And I'm not saying to risk this doesn't mean don't use a condom. I'm just saying it doesn't always happen the first time. Okay, so that's that's my point. Like the person I was with, I was with for eight months before I seroconverted. Like he had it the whole time. We were having unprotected sex the whole time. But I know for sure I didn't seroconvert until after he left, which meant that I didn't get it to the very end of our relationship, which meant that I was exposed for eight months to somebody who had, um, I wanted to say undiagnosed. Well, it was undiagnosed HIV, but it was untreated HIV and I didn't get it right away. Like that's, you know, doesn't mean it can't happen, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen immediately or for sure every time. So I know that this needle stick whole scenario is more than likely. I mean, odds are that this did not happen really, but his symptoms are persisting and he's sending me pictures of his tongue. He's certain he has thrush. This test comes back positive. There's, they, there was, I could not believe it. I'm like, oh, I am so sorry. Like I, cause I was quite certain that this kid was negative and this was all in his head. I'm like, I, I, I'm like, whatever I can do for you. I am so sorry. Like I am here for you whatever you need, please let me know. And I will be there and I will hold your hand through these steps that you have to go to get treatment and whatever. Cause I just feel terrible. I mean, I basically told him that this is like pretty much impossible and pretty much everything you're going through physically, you know, the weight loss, the vertigo. I just remember that one a lot, the vertigo running to the bathroom and having to throw up like that to me was like, well, yeah, I don't, that does sound like, like something you wouldn't be creating on your own, right? Um, thrush, I, I don't know. No one can really diagnose thrush. A doctor can, but I mean, it, people send me pictures of their white tongues. Please don't send me pictures of your white tongues. But people send me pictures of their white tongues and say, is this thrush? And I'm like, I, I, I'm, I cannot diagnose HIV for one thing. A test can, but I don't know. Don't send me pictures of your tongue, but I don't know. I wouldn't have looked at his tongue and thought thrush, but it didn't look like a pink tongue. Definitely had white on it. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. And so, um, anyways, I am, I feel so bad for this guy. I'm like, I cannot believe it. I can't believe that this, what is he going to, like, do they get how rare this is? Like, this needs to be documented. Like, OSHA needs to be involved. And I'm like, why didn't they put you on PEP? Like, all of a sudden, now I'm questioning this. Like, this was your job. Like, they should have been insisting. And he said, because she tested negative and I refused it. He said, I told them I didn't want to take it because I was worried about the side effects of the drug. And since she tested negative, I just decided not to do it. And I'm like, oh my 
effing God, I can't believe this. Like, I'm really like, this is going to be like, this should be on the freaking news. Like, this is like, how often does something like this happen, right? So I don't know how many days go by. Again, I haven't looked at the notes. We had so many messages between us. Um, anyways, I, it feels like it was maybe about four days later. They took the test again. It was negative. There was some kind of mix up at the lab. He doesn't have HIV. He doesn't. Oh my gosh. I was like, I felt like crying. I was like, thank God. Because I don't know. It's just, it's a very hard diagnosis. And I can feel that this kid felt like his life was over. Not that um, anybody doesn't feel like that. But I, this, it just felt like such an unfair accident. And I mean, really, no one deserves HIV. How do I say this without this sounding the wrong way? Because I don't want it to sound like anyone would deserve it or anything like that. But um, I just, it was a huge relief. And I guess my reason for wanting to tell this story is because, I mean, he even got to the point where he was sending me articles on this and that. And he goes, I don't mean to argue with you, but I like he was kind of saying, and no offense if you're listening to this, but it was almost like he was like saying, I know more about this than you do. And I'm kind of telling you, like, you don't know what you're talking about. I don't think he meant it that way, but it was kind of like, I've researched this and that. And I like, I'm certain I have this. Like he was a hundred percent sure he had it and he did not, he did not. Okay. Like, I don't know how much more clearly I can put it, but you know, he had crazy symptoms. They were all manifested by stress. They all were. So I can't tell you how common this is. I see this all the time but this was one where it really threw me because i was convinced it wasn't and then this positive comes through whatever i don't know if they got his name mixed up i don't remember what happened there was some weird thing with the lab but there was an error for sure but it it did look for like a second like he did but he doesn't he doesn't have it i mean the poor kid to have that error happen after he's already been completely freaking out you know for weeks about this and thinking his life was over and it turned out he didn't have it so it always is a reminder to me of how strong and amazing and um (laughs) crazy our brains are and how much they can affect our whole being you know they are our our minds are so powerful and they can create symptoms that are looking like hiv and feel like hiv but um, there's another kid that's been contacting me about this and he just won't test. He just, he's freaking out. It was one time with a girl and he's certain he has all the symptoms and he won't go test and he's making himself sick. It's been going on for months. I see him on my YouTube channel writing to people desperate for help. He's just making himself sick. Like, dude, just go test. You'll see it's negative. And um, I mean, odds are, they are, odds are he's negative, but he, He's convinced he has weight loss. He's convinced he has lymph nodes, swollen lymph nodes in his armpits. He's convinced he has um, weakness and joint pain. And, you know, these are the typical um, things that I hear from people who um, think they have HIV, then they test and they're negative. And it's like, oh, and miraculously, all of those symptoms fade away when they see that negative test. So I hope that my friend out there in the South... um, 
is feeling better. I haven't talked to him recently, but I'm hoping that he is. I asked him if it was okay to tell his story. And he said it was fine. He said it was the least I can do after all the time I'd spent talking to him. So, um, yeah, I hope that you are um, doing well. I know you still follow me. I see you on my Instagram. And I hope that you're not thinking about this anymore and you've let it go. And, yeah, just be careful, obviously. But take PEP if that ever happens again. Even if you're afraid of the side effects, I think it's just the safest way to go. Probably won't ever happen again. And, again, the odds of it really trans translating into a um a positive for the person on the other end is really pretty much unheard of so um so that's that's it for right now um i think i'm going to get myself ready for the day it's really beautiful and sunny my husband's out surfing i'm gonna go meet him and i need to go buy a dog leash finn's dog leash uh you know those ones that are retractable it got caught in in itself that always happens it gets caught inside that thing after a while and it just is stuck. It won't work. So need to get a new one of those. And um, thanks for being patient, everybody. I think I was also feeling a little mm, gun shy to do a podcast after I haven't done one uh, alone for a long time. I've been doing them as interviews and I haven't really just gotten on here and talked. And I've been feeling like anxiety about it. I didn't really know how it would turn out. I feel fine now. I'm just sitting here. My butt's numb. I'm on my bathroom floor. But I haven't... Um, been doing them that way since the kind of the very beginning I've been doing interviews mainly and that's a totally different type of format so today I just wanted to talk and I'll try to keep them more consistent um I still don't really know what I'm doing with this podcast honestly I've I kind of started going more towards HIV stories which is what I didn't want this to turn into, but it's kind of like inevitable, right? I have HIV, so it's sort of like, yeah, this is the platform to talk about it, but I don't want it to be like every single week, it's another HIV story, you know? You know, it just, it gets old after a while, so I want it to be, no offense to anybody and their stories, everybody's story is important, but I want there to be other interesting things to talk about. And, um, yeah, so it's sort of a work in progress. So thanks for hanging in there with me, listening. Um, Yeah, I had, like, three people reach out to me and say, hey, waiting for your podcast. I was like, oh, that's nice, because really with podcasting, um, there's not really any feedback directly on your actual podcast because it's not set up that way. So um, I don't really have a way for people to, unless they contact me through Instagram. But other than that, I, it's kind of nice because no one can leave nasty comments like they do on YouTube. And it's so like, sort of, if they go through my Instagram, it's not connected to the actual podcast. So I don't know. It's sort of nice. Like no one really is able to directly respond to my podcast. No, people have been nice. People have been really nice. And I'm still blown away that I talked to Judd Winnick. I mean, we're like buddies on Instagram. He even said once everything calms down with um, COVID, we should we should meet up. And I'm like, I if you guys don't understand this, you don't. But I mean, if anybody was a real world fan, you're my age, you get I mean, you'll get it. I it blows my mind that I'm having I've had conversations with Judd Winnick. This was this was Pedro's like best friend in the house. I mean, this is the man who's continued to carry on his um, memory. And it's just, I, it, it's really surreal for me. It really is so surreal. I, I just can't even tell you. Like, those people in the real world house were celebrities to me, all of them, you know? And um, it's really amazing to be connected 
in this way to him. And he's such a nice guy. So I'm really, wow, just still blown away that I got to talk to him and have him on my podcast. I'm a lucky girl. Okay, everybody. Um, Merry Christmas and almost Happy New Year. Today is the 27th. I don't know when I'm putting this out. Probably won't be out for another day or so. So um, hugs to everybody. I hope everybody's doing well. Keep those masks on. Stay safe. Goodbye, everybody.